0: Welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fish Hawk Electronics. If you're looking for news, tips and stories about fishing the Great Lakes, you've come to the right place. And now your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast today. We're going to talk about a topic we haven't covered yet. We're going to talk about eating fish and joining us today is Sean Strom and he is the Fisheries and Wildlife Toxicologist for the Wisconsin DNR. Sean, thanks for joining the show. My pleasure, thanks for having me. First of all, tell me a little bit about what a fisheries and wildlife toxicologist for the Wisconsin DNR does. Tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: Sure, well, it's a pretty broad spectrum. Uh, basically, any sort of uh, environmental contaminant issue that may impact uh, our fish and wildlife resources kind of ends up on my plate at, at in some way, shape, or form. So um, lots of different um, issues and projects that I I deal with on a day-to-day basis.
0: All right. We're going to talk about eating your catch, and we are a Great Lakes fishing show, so specifically Great Lakes fish. You need to kind of cover some of the general advisories for eating Great Lakes uh, trout and salmon.
1: Sure. So um, we've been monitoring contaminants in Great Lakes fish dating back. Um, probably 40 or 50 years. Um, most of the consumption advisories for trout and salmon are, are based on, on PCBs. Um, for example, for Lake Michigan, um, you know, it's most of the trout and salmon species are um, either one meal per week or one meal per month. Um, because there is a strong relationship between PCBs and size or length Um, some of those specific advisories may have um, size restrictions associated with them Um, and again that's just based on the fact that for pcbs they tend to accumulate in older larger fish so that's why you sometimes see um, size specific advisories for pcbs and those are in place for um both Lake Michigan and Lake Superior, as well as the the Bay of Green Bay.
0: All right. What are, what are PCBs?
1: PCBs are is a acronym for polychlorinated biphenyl. Um, this is a uh, industrial chemical that's been banned now for fifty years, but they're very very persistent in the environment, and so they still show up in in Great Lakes fish and wildlife, and unfortunately they they can still show up in uh, some fish species at levels where we need to issue consumption advisories.
0: How do the PCBs, how do those get in fish?
1: Um, it basically, they basic, basically work their way up through the food chain. So, um, you know, it starts in the sediment and then it's taken up by um, smaller critters, which are eaten by bigger critters, which are eaten by bigger critters yet. And so that 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 process is biomagnification where, Um, The highest levels are found in species that are on top of this on top of the food chain or or predatory species.
0: So we're talking about a predatory species in the salmon, but what about the health effects of predatory species in humans? Uh, What kind of health effects do PCBs cause?
1: So uh, health impacts associated with PCB exposure include things like um, developmental delays in children, Um, They can be harmful to the reproductive system. There's an association with a higher risk of of cancer, um, as well as harmful impacts to the immune system. So those are all kind of um, endpoints that are associated with PCB exposure.
0: All right. When I take a look at contaminants in fish uh, throughout the state of Wisconsin, I'm guessing these are probably things that are are facing in other states as well. Uh, I see things called PFAs. And then mercury as well. Can you talk about those?
1: Sure. Um, well, mercury has been, um, it's an element, so it's been around forever. And Wisconsin has been monitoring mercury and fish dating back to about 1970. Um, it's primarily a concern for, or I should say it's more of a concern for our inland lakes. And for mercury, it's actually more of a, of a geologic um, issue um not so much source driven um it it tends to be more of an issue in inland lakes that are low ph and and have a high organic content and what that does it just makes the mercury that is there more bioavailable um which means it it can be more taken up readily by by fish and um and, and accumulate in higher levels and then, you know, harmful impacts associated with mercury ex- exposure are primarily um, uh, developmental and neurologic issues. Um, PFAS, on the other hand, is somewhat of a, a, a newer, uh, a newer issue. Um, PFAS is an, another acronym that stands for per, per- and polyfluoroalkyl substances, and it's actually kind of a large um, um, umbrella group that consists of of thousands of individual chemicals. And so we've been testing fish for these chemicals now, um, going back about 15 years, and then um, much more extensively in the last five years or, or so. And, um, you know, we, we find it in a lot of different species of fish in a lot of different locations. And the, the harmful impacts associated with PFAS exposure um, include things like um, there's association with increased cholesterol, cholesterol levels, um, can affect the immune system, thyroid disease. When there is a cancer cancer risk, it can also affect um, fertility in women. And um, the interesting thing about PFAS compared to something like PCBs is that it actually accumulates in the muscle tissue where PCBs accumulate in the fat. So um, it kind of impacts accumulation patterns and, for PCBs, you can do things like removing um, the fatty tissue and belly fat of a fish, and that'll greatly reduce PCB exposure. But unfortunately, um, that does not work uh, for PFAS, where you know there's not much you can do in terms of cleaning, processing, or cooking the fish that will would decrease exposure.
0: How about mercury with uh, trimming and, and fishing, or trimming and cleaning, and those things?
1: Unfortunately not, because similar to PFAS, uh, mercury also accumulates in the muscle tissue. So there's really, unfortunately, not much that can be done um, that can reduce exposure or reduce levels based on how you either um, clean, process, or cook the fish.
0: All right. Uh, Most of our audience, when they're out targeting fish, they're looking for things like... Coho salmon, king salmon, uh, lake trout, brown trout. Is there any difference in these contaminants uh, based on the species that you found?
1: Um, yes, a little bit. Um, so, you know, like the larger species, you know, lake trout and, and chinooks tend to have a little bit higher levels compared to things like um, cohos or rainbows. Um, you know, it, it's, 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 not always consistent but generally the larger uh, more predatory species um, the higher levels at least for pcbs Um, the pfas on the other hand their accumulation patterns are quite a bit different where um, we don't always uh, see uh, those kind of size related differences and and we don't know why yet but we we do detect um higher Levels in some smaller species of fish. Um, an, exam, an example of that is smelt from Lake Superior. Um, we found fairly high levels and had to institute a consumption advisory for Lake Superior smelt um, going on two years ago. Um, and we really don't know why. We're still trying to figure out those accumulation patterns, and colleagues across the country are, are, are kind of grappling with that, that question as well.
0: How do these contaminant levels in wild fish in our Great Lakes compare to a farm-raised fish?
1: You know, that's something that we as an agency have not really looked at. Um, So can't really say for sure. Um, One thing about uh, PFAS is that does tend to be um, much more site-specific, meaning that if there is contaminated water, the fish will likely um also be contaminated but we have not done any sort of studies comparing wild caught fish versus uh farm-raised fish
0: okay you work for the state of wisconsin so i'm not going to ask you about lake ontario but wisconsin does have shoreline in both lake superior and lake michigan is there a difference in these contaminants between the two lakes
1: um not really um and so we do work wisconsin is a member of a group called the consortium of uh great lakes consortium for fish consumption advisories and this is just a group of of mostly state agencies surrounding the great eight great lakes plus, plus the province of ontario and we try to share information and come up with um kind of consistent guidance so like for uh lake michigan we work closely with illinois indiana and michigan and for Lake Superior, we work with Minnesota and Michigan. We share data and and try to come up with uh, at least somewhat consistent that de- consistent advice.
0: Are those contaminant levels though? How do those compare? I mean, I know that the levels in the fish may be the same, but uh, as far as the lakes themselves, do you see any kind of major difference?
1: Um, I, I kind of think it depends on if there's any sort of point sources. Um, along the Lake. Um, so, you know, there might be some point sources in, you know, Indiana and, and, and Illinois or something that, um, may not be in Wisconsin or Michigan. Um, but we, we do pool our Lake Michigan data with other States and try to come up with, with similar, similar advice.
0: Okay. Uh, you know, time has changed. And I know when you talk to people that fish on Lake Erie, you know, I, I know things have really changed there as far as the water quality. Uh, and when you talk to people that fish Lake Michigan, they say the water is much more clear than it was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Do you see these contaminants as something that is, is the situation getting better, or where, where do you see that?
1: Um, I think it depends on the contaminant. So, for example, PCBs—they've been on a steady decline now for the last couple of decades. Um, they continue to de- to decline, and you know, when we'll reach some sort of a leveling off—you know—I'm not sure, but you know, they they aren't necessarily—they're uh, they're declining slowly, um, but they are at least declining. Um, in terms of PFAS, we really don't know. We just really started extensively monitoring about four or five years ago. Um, so whether or not uh, levels are increasing or decreasing, I don't think we'll have a good handle on for an, another couple of years.
0: All right, Sean, uh, is there anything else that I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about today?
1: I don't think so. I just th- I think the one thing we like to uh, – advise people and and suggest is that you know go out fishing and enjoy yourself bring a meal home to eat but just follow our consumption advisories
0: all right people want to find out more information on uh eating advisories and uh, on eating fish where can they find that information
1: they can go to the dnr website and enter the phrase eating your catch in the the search bar and it will bring you to our consumption advisory page
0: All right, that website is dnr.wisconsin.gov. Sean Strom, we really appreciate you taking some time out to talking to us today. And uh, again, this is information that we just haven't really covered yet on the show. And uh, it was great to have you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Great Lakes Fishing Podcast presented by Fishhawk Electronics. For more information on fishing the Great Lakes, visit our blog at fishhawkelectronics.com.